Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the Big Tilt Week 4 Roto Underworld Player Profiler DFS podcast sponsored, of course, by Underdog Fantasy. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter, Randall Rant, and we bring in, as we do each and every week, this time for Week Quattro, the mad scientist himself, Josh Larkey, on Twitter at tweets. He's only the guy that told you to play McCole Hardman, who hit a touchdown last week. The scientist is back. Grandpa is from the bottom of the cave, but the Munster's coming up from the smoke here to help us with the DFS lineups. Dr. Larkey, welcome back. Thank you, Mike. It's good to be back. I know that no one can see my position, but let me tell you, I'm at my standing desk and I am standing for this one. I'm excited. I have been coding away this morning. It is time for some DFS talk. And I feel like we've just had so much movement this week with injuries and trying to figure out which games to target. So it's not the the sexiest week necessarily for DFS, but I feel like it's a it's one where we can get some really good potential edges by kind of grinding those margins. And we're going to break a lot of that down for you today. Yep. It's like Indiana Jones in the temple of doom. You have to navigate each one of these challenges, injuries, who to play, who's coming back. And that's why you come to the big tilt each and every week. We are going to start as we always do with the injuries. Josh Titans news came out today. Both AJ Brown and Julio Jones are out. And for the giants, a pair of receivers also Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton are out. Talk about the Titans and the Giants and how this affects them on a DFS slate. I'm seeing on social media that Derrick Henry is going to get 1,052 carries this weekend. Yeah, I think the obvious one for the Titans is, I mean, I wasn't necessarily the most enthusiastic Derrick Henry guy at the start of this week, just because I get it's the Jets, but if there was ever a week to rest Derrick Henry, it was shaping up to be this week. Give him a few, give him a few less carries than usual. But then, of course, A.J. Brown, long-term hamstring injury, Julio Jones officially out, and suddenly it looks like Derrick Henry is going to be that entire offense. DFS-wise, Henry just super viable. I don't really think you can play a lot of Ryan Tannehill. There's there's nobody to stack him with. I just don't even know what you do. I guess the the one punt play that I think is interesting is Nick, Nick Westbrook Akina. Am I saying that right? I forget. We we talked about this before, yesterday. And now I can't when it remember. comes, listen, Josh. <laughs> when it comes to hyphenated names, all bets are off. We all know who you're talking about, and I think it is Westbrook Akeen. That's my guess. So with Westbrook Akeen, he's interesting. He's 3,200 on DraftKings. Generally, if you're going to punt with wide receiver, DraftKings is the better platform than FanDuel because the wide receiver salaries are more spread out. So on FanDuel, if you're paying five thousand for a punt receiver. When there's really good starting options in the 6,000 range, you're not actually saving that much money. Whereas on DraftKings, 
if the viable receivers are in the 6K range and then you spend down to 3,200, that's really when you can get a little more of an edge. So I think he is a, a DraftKings okay play. He ran the routes this past week. There's really nothing else. I mean, we thought Chester Rogers might have been a guy and then mm-hmm. he was just outplayed by Westbrook. I think that with the Giants, this is maybe Kadarius Tony's season. Another oh, viable yeah. punt play. Kadarius Tony is 3,300. If you are going to go bottom feeding with these receivers, we have Nick Westbrook Keen. And I'm not saying to play a lot of these guys, but like Kadarius Tony is now viable. 3,300. He ran a lot of routes this past week. I don't quite know who's there anymore. It's just Galladay, Tony, Evan Engram. So I think that also helps Evan Engram specifically. Evan Ingram had a 17% target share this past week, coming back from his multi-week absence. He's only 3K on DraftKings, so that's a really good punt play at tight end as well. So I think that just kind of opens up a few of these budget receivers. Henry now more viable. And then I think it just hurts the quarterbacks. You're not really that... It's not like we were super interested in Tannehill or Daniel Jones this week to begin with, but it just makes them even worse plays because... Yes, the target share may consolidate a little more. However, just the overall offense should not be as good. These are key pieces that are now out, especially on the Titans side. Had a question here on Twitter. Want to run by you. Not on the show sheet, folks. So we're going to get an instantaneous response from Dr. Larkey. Ryan Tannehill or Matt Ryan? I would still go Tannehill. Interesting. Okay. I think just the, the offense will probably have more red zone trips. I think there's... There's still just potential for Tannehill to have some touchdowns. Matt Ryan has just been so dreadful this year. I don't think it's a it's an easy one. I think that you could go Ryan. However, I personally have Tannehill in a couple deep leagues. I'm still trotting him out, but I'm not excited about it. And here's the thing. I do not like the Giants in this spot. They're banged up. They're going down. That game is back in New Orleans, Josh. It's a homecoming with everything that went on. I think that's going to be very, very difficult. But if the Giants keep it close and you believe they are, then it's going to be Barkley, it's going to be Ingram, and it's going to be Kadarius Toney. So it comes down to your philosophy. Listen, I may not like them, but remember, it's all about the matchups here. That's what we look at. Other injuries. Panthers, CMC, of course, out. J.C. Horn is gone for the year as a cornerback for the Panthers. They just traded Dan Arnold for C.J. Henderson, so they're trying to bolster the secondary there against the Cowboys. And the Vikings, Dalvin Cook is questionable, and Tyler Conklin is back. So Panthers, Vikings, thoughts on them? So with the Panthers, this probably helps out the receivers. Yes, Chuba was kind of force-fed five targets once CMC left last week's game. However... Do we think he's CMC? Do we think he's going to get the best role in the entire NFL for a running back? No, probably not. The day three rookie is unlikely to be getting the eight, nine, 10 targets that CMC frequently gets. Probably good for the pass catchers. I'm still not sure if this is good for Darnold. I will continue to be on three years of Darnold bad. Panthers, (laughs) Darnold good. He's somewhere in the middle. I'm not convinced that this is a great quarterback yet. So I think that it makes... The Cowboys defense, more viable in DFS. We might get old Darnold back. He lost his security blanket. I also think the target consolidation is going to help DJ Moore. Maybe Robbie Anderson back from the dead. And then I think this can help Terrace Marshall too. And we'll we'll mention him again towards the end when we review our, our cheap budget options for this week. But 
on FanDuel, Terrace Marshall's only 5K. He's been just flat out outplaying Robbie Anderson through the first three games of his rookie year. Maybe more targets in store for him with the McCaffrey injury. So this, this will be kind of interesting to monitor to see exactly what kind of role Chuba has. But I think that at the very least, probably some some additional targets to the receivers. On the Vikings end, I don't think this does much. I think Dalvin Cook, he's been limited all week. He didn't really practice last week, so I assume he's going to be a full go. And one thing that we know about the Vikings, whoever the starting running back is that week gets all the work. Gets fed. So I'm not too concerned. I know we kind of whiffed on the Madison one because he just hadn't looked particularly good in the feature back role. And it goes, you know what? doesn't matter what he's done in the past. We're going to give him 26 carries and eight targets. Eight targets was shocking, Josh. That's the one that killed me was the targets. Absolutely. Yeah. Did we think 34 opportunities were coming the way of Alexander Madison? No, absolutely not. So I think Dalvin Cook, assuming he plays, he's going to be getting all the work. And I think that just makes this game even more appealing. These are two high-powered offenses with, uh, especially in the Vikings end, just a terrible defense. Brown's defense still probably mediocre. I don't think we should get too carried away that they they took out Justin Fields in his first start with one of the worst offensive game plans I've ever seen. Brutal. So, yeah, Dalvin Cook, definitely DFS viable. Colts need a win. Quentin Nelson out. Jonathan Taylor has a knee. Haven't heard much about that. Jack Doyle hurt his back here. You talked about Jack Doyle's target share last week. And Washington football team, Antonio Gibson is starting to smell to me to be a serious injury. Would not be surprised if we had Patterson all of a sudden on Sunday. He has a shin injury. He had some sort of wrap on it in practice. And Curtis Samuel now off the IR. So Colts need a win and Washington sort of nebulous here as they go down against Atlanta and they're favored in that game against the Falcons. I I don't think there's too much to make of this Colts stuff with Taylor. I think he's going to play. We know that there was some knee stuff last year and it didn't seem to affect him too much. I think Quentin Nelson though is the, the bigger one for Taylor. I don't think Taylor is at risk of missing the game, but losing your best offensive lineman when They've already just had trouble to begin with in the run game. And uh, Miami's defense, they have not been great this year. However, they were pretty good last year. And I'm still not convinced that they're actually just a terrible unit. So I think this is quite concerning for the Colts in general. Uh, We'll we'll see exactly what happens. Whether or not Doyle plays, I think it seems like the targets uh, are starting to consolidate more and more now to just Pittman-Pascal, which at least for DFS we like. I mean, it would have been amazing if Paris Campbell was a thing this year, but at least for for us with target consolidation, it's nice to have Pascal and Pittman. Hopefully Taylor can start to get more work, but I think he is kind of a fringy play this week. He already was shaping up to be just with his usage. Now losing his, his best lineman, I think it just makes him a little bit thinner even. Washington football team, I'm still going to play some Gibson. I think he's in a great spot against this terrible Atlanta defense however it is a little bit concerning what his role will be I think it's good to wind down exposure on him I don't think that you should just be totally out on him this week because we know the big play threat is there he had that 70 yard touchdown catch where he just kind of took it to the house and that's all he did Josh if it wasn't for that it's a bad day but he he has that ability yeah so maybe they'll step it up I do think Curtis Samuel if anything hurts Gibson Curtis Samuel, kind of the gadget guy, historically in offenses, 
jet sweeps, short routes, occasionally the the deep route. And it seems like he's going to be active. I'm not quite sure he'll probably be on some type of snap share, but I think that just hurts Gibson, McKissick, McLaurin. I mean, this already wasn't an exciting offense with Hineke. And I mean, Hineke's boosted by Samuel. Samuel, a great uh, play if you want a 3K receiver on DraftKings. But yep. this offense was already not super appealing, even with so few uh, options to play. And now, I mean, we have the new wide receiver two coming back. I'm a little bit hesitant to play any of these guys. And next up, we'll call it running back potpourri. In San Francisco, first, George Kittle is not guaranteed to play by Kyle Shanahan, which really means nothing given his Kaiser Soze reputation here. We never know what that means. But Elijah Mitchell's status is up in the air. Could it be Kyle Yusek time again? Trey Sermon, of course, is there with the Rams. Sean McVay said Daryl Henderson is available on Sunday after recovering from a rib injury. So you have him and Michelle. And Seattle, Chris Carson. Now, we talked about that on a staff meeting this week. Matt was talking about this. Is he healthy? We are uncertain. And of course, Gerald Everett tested positive for COVID. His status is up in the air. But really looking at running backs here, your thoughts on San Francisco, the Rams, and Seattle. So with San Francisco, I I just don't think you can really play these guys. Elijah Mitchell, yes, he was uh, some type of limited participant the past three days. However, he had the blue non-contact jersey on all three days. What I read was that it's a pain management issue. However, if it was, you'd think he would at least test it out and practice a little bit. So I think he he looks very questionable. Trey Sermon just didn't look good. It wasn't just splitting snaps. He was actually splitting touches yep. with Kyle Juszczyk, which was That's crazy true. that the fullback had nearly as many touches as Sermon did. Over the guy you traded up to get. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's just... Uh, it's a little bit uh, confusing there, exactly what they were doing with the Sermon pick when he looks nothing like all the other successful running backs that they'd had recently in that system. I do think Sermon starts this game. I'm not very excited to play him. I think that there's other inexpensive running back options that are just going to have better roles and are better football players as well. So not super interested in any running back there this week unless there is some type of coach speak where it is Elijah Mitchell's a full go and our workhorse, then I will probably play a little Mitchell. Rams, I don't think you can play Henderson or Michelle this week. It does seem like Henderson's coming back. However, I don't quite understand if his role was, his his like total workhorse role at the start of the year was purely, we love Henderson, he's our guy, or we're still waiting for Michelle to get acclimated. Let's force feed Henderson touches. Michelle, last week, we talked. We told you to play him. He gave you 11 fantasy points. Great process, though, because Michelle had 20 carries and four targets. And he looked good while doing it. I don't think he's just going to be phased out. I, I do think it's also just in the Rams' best interest to have a total committee with these two running backs because of how thin their depth is. If you have to play one in DFS, yes, you, you should probably play Henderson. However, I really don't see... Uh, any way that this isn't some type of really ugly committee. Seattle, you can't play Chris Carson. Nope. Getting what I think he might have even had under half the the snaps in this past game. It just doesn't look good for him. He's never even really been a ceiling guy to begin with. I don't believe he's ever hit 30 fantasy points on DraftKings in his career. And now he's not even getting the full snaps. We know Penny's out. I I'm not interested in Alex Collins. 
I think if anything, this just helps the receivers. With Everett out, I do believe that we have on DraftKings $2,600 bottom. Bonanza. Yeah, just bottom of the barrel. Scrape up a little Will Disley. The the guy's going to have to run some kind of routes. We know Metcalf banged up. Lockett banged up. Eskridge might not play. Everett won't play. Carson banged up. I mean, Will Disley could could end up getting four, five, six targets by default at 2,600. Yep, and if you look at the snap counts from Seattle last week, look at them last three weeks, rather. Chris Carson, 78% of the snaps, 63% of the snaps, and 43% of the snaps. He is trending downward. Last three injuries, then we'll get into the games. All wide receivers here. Tell me your thoughts on Baltimore. Rashad Bateman could make his debut this weekend at Denver. Elijah Moore is out for the Jets in a game now against Tennessee that they actually have a decent chance to win. And Chase Claypool is questionable for Pittsburgh going up to Green Bay, which most people think is going to be a Green Bay smash. But Tomlin statistically has been very good in these spots. So last three we have here for week four, Bateman with Baltimore, Elijah Moore with the Jets, and Chase Claypool with Pittsburgh. I don't think Bateman does too much other than hurt Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown. It's not looking good. I mean, Marquise Brown was kind of the only super fantasy relevant receiving option in this offense. And that was with just this outlandish target share. Bateman's probably going to take a good amount of that. I think we both think long-term Bateman is a better receiver than Hollywood Brown. Just an incredible prospect profile. But the first week back from core muscle surgery, I I don't really see him being super viable We saw Alan Lazard with a similar injury last year, and he was just constantly on a snap count. I don't think that we should have a one-to-one comparison. Yes, it's similar injuries. However, Bateman is better, but cause for concern. We we know that this is a, a painful injury. I don't believe Bateman is going to get a full snap share. It's already a low volume passing attack. It's already struggled to support Hollywood and Mark Andrews. We also have Sammy Watkins. You really shouldn't be playing a lot of Baltimore receivers this week. New York Jets, Elijah Moore is out. All that does is make Corey Davis a little bit more viable. I mean, it is. there are literal scraps right now at receiver. It, I, I kind of chuckled to myself when running through my Jets projections earlier today because you have, I think, five guys that could potentially get you anywhere from zero to six targets. Denzel Mims, Keelan Cole, Braxton Berrios, uh, the, the list goes on. I feel like I'm forgetting two or three of them. They all going to get Tyler the same Croft. Thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, I know Jeff Smith is out. It's, it's actually kind of crazy how after Corey Davis, Oh, Jamison Crowder's back. Yep. There's about six or seven guys there that I have projected between a five and 15% target share week to week. Super ugly for DFS outside of Corey Davis. And then with Pittsburgh, I really don't know what to make of Claypool's injury. I was pretty excited at the start of the week about Claypool because we didn't know what Deontay was going to do. We knew Juju was banged up, and now the tables have kind of flipped. Juju and Deontay, full participants in practice. They're both active for Sunday. Claypool now questionable. I don't think you can play any Claypool, and I don't think you can play a lot of Juju either. Until we figure out what's going on with Big Ben and his arm, this really feels like Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson. And it's because of the short area targets catering to Big Ben's just total demise, honestly. Yep. I think it's going to be Najee Harris eating season. I'm looking at 15 receptions, 20 targets, just a bonanza. 
if the Steelers keep this game close, and even if they don't, I mean, then Najee Harris is going to get dump-offs galore here because he's playing. I I think Najee at sub-7,000 is a great, great look. Let's take a look at the games now and break them down. First game, Chiefs at Eagles. Kansas City favored by seven despite being on the road. Could be their third loss in a row here. Over under 54.5 points. Of course, with the Chiefs, you know where you're going. Clyde Edwards-Hiller had a nice bounce back last week. We talked about his value. Jalen Hurts, it's now or never. You have not looked good, but you've gotten there in garbage time. Now you have a legitimate chance at home. Miles Sanders is going to want a big bounce back. Can he gain well? You have some value here. Jalen Rager, of course. Zach Ertz, who had more you know, yards after catch on that, that play in the last week against the Cowboys than he may have had in years. Chiefs, <laughs> fourth most fantasy points to opposing running backs. They allow... Eagles, 11th most fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs. Eagles, third fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. They do do a good job on the outside. Kind of why I'm leaning, Josh, towards a Kelsey game. But break it down here, Chiefs and Eagles. So I think this is one of the, the better games to target this week. We talked before the show, there are not necessarily quite as many great marquee games. I mean, it's not every week. Last, last week we had Chiefs Chargers. We had Rams Buccaneers. We don't quite have that type of caliber game necessarily but Chiefs Eagles 54 and a half that's a very high game total I think this is a good game to target I think if you're going Mahomes you either want Hill or Kelsey with him I don't think you can make a a Mahomes lineup without either of them Hardman kind of an interesting guy to sneak in there if you want to double stack Mahomes FanDuel you can legally stack Hill and Kelsey DraftKings it's pretty much impossible unless you want all 3k guys surrounding Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, but I really like Mahomes, Hill, or Mahomes, Kelsey. Like you said, the the Eagles have been surprisingly good against receivers this year. Avante Maddox, very highly rated cornerback ratings, and of course, Darius Slay. And I mean, Kelsey's been uncoverable. We talked last week about how Kelsey had struggled against the Chargers in his career. So of course, he puts up 100 yards against them and is just the featured guy in that pass attack. It really looks like Kelsey's 2020 was not a fluke and that he's doing the exact same thing, if not even better in 2021. And it's also the tight end position. I don't know how you can't just jam Kelsey. We've talked about this a few weeks now. How do you not just have Kelsey in 30, 40, 50% of your lineups? You have to. With the the leverage that he has over the field, just with his raw fantasy point production. And Josh, we talked about it last week, going against a Charger team last week that normally holds him down, he still got there without the touchdown. I, he's, almost, he's basically matchup proof at this point. Yeah, it, it's truly incredible. I don't think we've seen a tight end do what he's done these this past season and a quarter as we have seen now. It's it's something to behold. He's the PPR wide receiver three with it with his per game average right now. He'd be wide receiver three. Unreal. And then if you're and then if you want to run back on the Eagles, I don't think you should double run back. This is still like kind of a gross offense for fantasy. I've talked about this before on some code breaker podcasts I did in the offseason, but these Konami code quarterbacks they sort of have the anti-Konami code with their receivers, with the idea being that if Hertz tucks and runs it, rather than completing a pass to a receiver, that receiver doesn't get one PPR point for the catch, and then whatever the yardage or the touchdown is. There's no fantasy points there. It is 100% Hertz. Hertz has been running a lot. The accuracy has been questionable. The receiver play has been questionable. This whole passing attack just hasn't looked good. They've kind of garbage timed their way to some respectable performances. But overall, it's not the kind of offense that I'm trying to in any way double stack. 
You mean you don't Eagles, want the, you mean you don't want the Greg Ward touchdown with 30 seconds left? That's not what you're playing for when you start Jalen Hurts. No, that that is that is not quite what I was aiming for last week. I was not going uh, Hurts, Rager, Greg Ward in my double stacks. So, or I guess you could even go Hurts, Ertz, Greg Ward was apparently like the the sneaky play last week. But on a serious note, I think the the real interesting discrepancy with the receiver prices is Devonta Smith and Jalen Rager on mm-hmm. FanDuel. They're only 400 apart with Smith being a bit more expensive. I think Smith is a better play on FanDuel. What's interesting though, is on DraftKings, Devonta Smith, 5,700 Jalen Rager, 4,700. I think they're mostly the same guy. I mean, in a vacuum, yeah, I'm leaning Devonta Smith. However, I think for my runbacks, especially because of how tight the salaries are this week, especially on DraftKings, it is really, really hard to get a working DraftKings lineup without having either a punt tight end or your flex being a 3K receiver or just playing the Jets defense at 2K. It's really hard to manufacture a lineup without something like that going on. So Rager at 4,700 is a really good way to buy into this high game total while still getting a respectable amount of targets. Rager has been getting a a pretty decent target share. And then you're also just not paying up for someone like Devonta Smith, who just hasn't really produced like a 5,700 wide receiver at the end of the day, especially when you look next to him and it's like, wow, uh, Devonta Smith's next to Cortland Sutton. He's next to Odell Beckham. It's a really, really tough sell to go Devonta Smith. So I think I would go something like Mahomes, Kelsey, Rager, Mahomes, Hill, Hardman, Rager, Sanders, interesting play. I don't think anyone's going to play him this week. I think he's viable. However, I don't think I'm looking at Sanders or Devonta Smith outside of any type of Chiefs Eagles lineup. It's it like you can play Kelsey in any lineup, Hill in any lineup. You can mix Rager in with a little skinny correlation in a non-Mahomes lineup if you want, but in no world am I trying to cram Devonta Smith unless it's stacking him with Hertz or as the Mahomes run back. And then Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I think he's interesting as a run back with a Hertz lineup. I think with Hertz, you can't really go Dallas Goddard right now with how similar his role is to Hertz when their salary their salary discrepancy is just huge. So I think if you're going Hurts, you want him with Rager, you can consider Devonta Smith. And if you have to choose a tight end, I think you have to go Hurts this week. Until we see Goddard really separate, it's basically the same guy. It's the super ugly committee. We're seeing it in New England with Johnny Hunter Henry. You never want these committee tight ends unless they're dirt cheap like Zach Hurts. Yep, I agree with you totally. Rager leads the Eagles in receptions with 13. He's second in targets, 19, yet he's $1,000 cheaper on DraftKings. We're in alignment there. Next game up, cards at Rams. Rams favored by four points, over-unders 54 and a half. Rams and cards are both good at limiting opposing running backs' fantasy production. However, Rams are not great against the pass-catching running backs. Rams have allowed 134 receiving yards to opposing running backs. That's a signal for Chase Edmonds. Cards are surprisingly stifling against opposing tight ends, which reverses that trend for years. Remember, Josh, it used to be always play your tight ends against the Cardinals. That is not the case anymore. They've allowed eight total receptions, 48 total yards, no touchdowns. You have cards, you have rams galore. Go for it. Break it down for us here. So this is a fun one because 
I mean, we've been excited about Kyler Murray this whole season. And finally, we get Kyler Murray in the type of game script we want. Fairly decent dogs on the road. And the way I'm looking at this, you've got Chase Edmonds, who's now just this super fun stacking partner for Murray. We already had been on Chase Edmonds this season. Chase Edmonds has flirted with some with eight targets recently, and now we finally get him in what's likely to be the catch-up game script. This is in no way a James Conner week. Like you said, the Rams have been shutting down opposing running backs on the ground. Fortunately, Chase Edmonds does not do his damage on the ground. With Murray, you can stack him with Hopkins. Hopkins' price is starting to drop, and I really like it. It doesn't look like a lot of people are going to be playing Hopkins either. He practiced more this week than he did last week. I know some people are getting hung up that he wasn't a full participant every single day. However, he didn't even really practice last week and then still played in the game. I think he's finally healthy. I don't quite know what was going on with him these first few games. However, it's safe to say that come the end of the season, he will have more targets, more receptions, more receiving yards than any other receiver on that roster. It's only a matter of time before Hopkins truly erupts. This looks like a great spot for him in high game total. Christian Kirk, also very viable. I actually would rather have Christian Kirk than Rondale Moore rest of season. And a couple of weeks ago, I think I would have been the other way, even though I'm a big Christian Kirk guy. But Rondale Moore snaps are a little inconsistent. Christian Kirk has been super consistent all three weeks now. He has been one of the featured parts of this explosive offense. And I think that with Kyler Murray, you can do some fun stacks because we're always trying to save salary while still getting correlation. And I think Murray Edmonds Kirk is a sneaky way to attack this game and to soak up a lot of targets and touchdown upside with Kirk and then the the targets with Edmonds. You can also go Hopkins. I think Hopkins Kirk is probably a little bit too much receiving firepower for a mobile expensive quarterback like Murray. However, if you want another receiver with Hopkins, I think that's where someone like Rondale Moore comes in where Rondale Moore can do his damage on one or two plays. Whereas with Christian Kirk, he's more likely going to need a little more volume to pay off. What do you think about those people who would say Jalen Ramsey scares me off? So I want to go away from Hopkins. You know what? Jalen Ramsey is scary. He's an incredible cornerback. However, DeAndre Hopkins has performed well against good corners before. Jalen Ramsey will not even be on Hopkins 100% of the game. It's very rare that Ramsey is actually shadowing someone for 100% of the snaps. Sometimes they're in zone coverage. Sometimes he's covering somebody else. Sometimes he's not on the field. Hopkins will get his opportunities. We saw last year he was just kind of force-fed every single chance Kyler got. So... Yes, I think there's the chance that Ramsey shuts him down. However, we're not playing season long. We're playing DFS. If Jalen Ramsey bottles him up, oh well. Good thing we're also going to play some lineups with Christian Kirk and Chase Edmonds. So I think that's kind of the the misconception is that like you'll you'll hear that a cornerback is covering a receiver. So yes, the projection is going to be a little bit lower. Yes, in season long, temper your expectations. However, we don't really know exactly what's going to happen. We're not even shooting for the most likely outcome necessarily when we're building our tournament lineups. Then if we look at the Rams side, Stafford, Cup, Woods, 
I think that should be your core on the Ram side. There's also Van Jefferson. There's Tyler Higby, Deshaun Jackson. Higby's pretty expensive for how little his role is. I don't believe Deshaun Jackson has a real role in this offense. He was not getting the full snaps. It looks like Van Jefferson is the clear wide receiver three here. Also, man, it, it feels like points chasing with, with D-Jax. I feel like if you're going to go for him, I don't want to go for him the week after he exploded. Yeah, it, it really seems like had he just taken over that wide receiver three role, that'd be one thing. But Van Jefferson was still pretty much an every down player last week. He did have six targets as well, which is more than Jackson had. So I think if you're going to double stack Stafford, Van Jefferson is cheaper than Higby. And I think that he's even just a better play than Higby. So that's kind of an interesting one. Woods and Cup, the salary discrepancy continues to grow. I mean, Cup is still viable. It, we, he's averaging 30 fantasy points a game. We had never seen Stafford and Cup play together. And so far, all they have done is look like the best QB receiver tandem in the NFL. It, he looks uncoverable. Woods, I still think there's hope. He's still getting the targets. He's still running the routes. His time will come. He is down to 5,300 on DraftKings. Never did I think I'd see the day that Robert Woods with Matthew yep. Stafford was less expensive than a guy like Devonta Smith. That is why Devonta Smith is not really viable outside of the Eagles Chiefs stacks. He's just in this weird salary range where there's guys below him like Robert Woods that I think may even just be a better player to begin with. Obviously have the better quarterback, better game environment. So I think with Stafford, I'd be looking at Stafford Cup, Sean Jackson, or Stafford Woods, Deshaun Jackson, or sorry, Stafford Cup, Van Jefferson, Stafford Woods, Van Jefferson. You can run it back with two guys on either end. So if you're, you could run it back then with Hopkins and Edmonds. You could run it back with Kirk and Edmonds, Kirk and Moore, Moore and Hopkins. I think that there's a lot of ways to attack this. And I think that you can do a double stack with the double run back on this game. This, this feels like a really good game for it because, like you said, both teams are fairly stifling against the run. Seahawks at 49ers. Niners favored by three. Over-under is 52. Death taxes and the consolidated production in Seattle. Russ, Carson, we talked about. Metcalf, Lockett, Will Disley now viable. Gosh, that 2,600 in DK is staring at me. 49ers, Jimmy G, any interest? I maybe wanted to punt quarterback against a really rough Seattle defense. Trey Sermon, Ayuk, you have uh, Debo Samuel, uh, Ross Dwelly, if Kill doesn't play. Where are we going here? Seattle, Josh, most fantasy points per game allowed to running backs, and it's really not even close. So if you can find the right running back in San Francisco, they should produce. San Francisco actually struggled against running backs as well. Ninth, it's a shame that Carson's a little banged up here. We're not sure how he's going to do. Niners are allowed the seventh most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, but they did face Aaron Rodgers. So Seattle, San Francisco, another West Coast game with a lot of points projected. Where are you going here? So I will be playing Russell Wilson every single week. You cannot really design a better DFS quarterback in a lab than the guy that has this incredible deep ball and has so few receiving options that are viable. Metcalf and Loggett, seems like both are going to play. They're both very viable. Slightly into Metcalf just because he seems a little bit healthier. Metcalf's still less expensive than Lockett on FanDuel, which is half PPR and favors touchdowns and explosive plays. So that's a little surprising still. I really like Russ Metcalf or Russ Lockett 
And if you want to double stack Russ, there's Will Disley at 2,600. Everett out, Eskridge doubtful, Freddie Swain not good at football. There's really just nobody else on that roster. Uh, I mean, maybe DJ Dallas will soak up a few targets, assuming he's active, but it really looks like Metcalf, Lockett, and Disley are just going to be force-fed in this game. On the Niners side, like, like I said before, like it'd be great to play Sermon, but he just did not look good, and he just wasn't getting the opportunities. It'd be one thing if it was like what happened with Sony Michelle last week, where Sony Michelle gets 20 carries and four targets and just doesn't quite get it done for fantasy points. But Sermon was almost in this dead even touches split with fullback Kyle Juszczyk. And still Sermon didn't necessarily look much better than Kyle. So that's what worries me about the Niners running backs this week. If Mitchell is active, I think you can play him. He's looked good this year. But it's just really unfortunate that this looks on paper like a great game for the running backs. And we just don't have any healthy and or good running backs. With the Niners, I'm very intrigued by... Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle hobbled by this calf injury from looking at some, some tweets from my physical therapist friends. <laughs> He's probably going to play in some capacity. However, the explosiveness is likely sapped and that the calf injury was, would probably hurt his receiving and route running more than his blocking, which does not bode well for playing Kittle in DFS. I think if you really want that mid that mid to high range tight end, just play TJ Hawkinson, who's 100 cheaper on both platforms and just take the 20 plus percent target share and go to the bank with that one. But I really like Brandon Ayuk. Super inexpensive, 5,000 DraftKings, 5,700 FanDuel. He finally started to look like his rookie year self in this past game. Debo Samuel starting to seed more targets to him. And Debo Samuel is just so much more expensive. Over 1,000 more expensive on both platforms. So I think the move here in this game is you go Russ with either Metcalf Disley, Lockett Disley, or just one of Metcalf or Lockett, and then you run it back with Brandon Ayuk. Jimmy G, I mean, it's great. He For the first time in potentially over a year, Jimmy G hit 40 pass attempts this past week. The problem is he's going to have such a hard time getting it done in fantasy because when they get to the red zone, they just bring in Trey Lance. Trey Lance had that little gadget two-yard touchdown run to the left in last week's game. And I think that trend's just going to continue, if not increase more and more as the season goes along. It's really hard to get excited about a non-mobile quarterback whose touchdown upside is also capped by the more explosive backup quarterback. So that's why I think you do want to attack this game, high game total, but you have to attack it starting with the Seahawks side. We talked about Carson snap counts going down before. Here's the reverse of that with Brandon Ayuk, 47%, 54%, 86%. He played 60 of the 69 snaps for San Francisco last week. So you want to get Brandon Ayuk before he breaks out, and that could be this week as well. Last game here, Cleveland at Minnesota. Then we'll go around the league. Cleveland favored by two at Minnesota. Open favored by one. Over-unders 51.5 points. 
Both teams pretty consolidated. Browns, Baker, Chubb, Hunt, OBJ was back. He performed well. Hooper with the Vikings. We don't know about Cook, but Madison's there. He's at 6,600 on DK, 6,800 on FanDuel. So Madison is pricey. One of the things we talked about earlier this week is how the DraftKings is really pricing up these backups so that you can't just slide them in as a a great value play. Thielen, Jefferson, Osborne did nothing last week. Maybe he bounces back. He's down to 3.7 on DK. And Tyler Conklin. The, the guy that we love here at Player Profiler had a fantastic game. He's 3,500. So Browns, Vikings, what do you got here? So I think that this is a game I'm going to have a lot of exposure to. Pretty high game total. Two offenses that have just been incredibly efficient so far this season. The problem is Baker Mayfield is just not a great DFS quarterback. Chubb and Hunt are getting so much run. And that caps the touchdown upside of Baker Mayfield. Because their run game is so good, they just don't need to pass that much. And I also think until Landry is back, Baker is kind of hampered by the the suboptimal passing game weapons. I mean, if you're Kevin Stefanski, why why, why would you ever have Baker Mayfield throw the ball 40 times anytime the game is close when you have both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, the best running back duo in the league right behind you. So the way that I would attack this game is on the Viking side first with Kirk Cousins. I think Thielen and Jefferson are both individually priced really nicely. It's kind of tough to get both of them into your lineup. And that's just a lot of salary devoted to to one team, especially when you know that the quarterback as well is just not super mobile or so ex- super exciting on his own. But I think going Cousins... Thielen or Cousins Jefferson, and then doing the double stack with Tyler Conklin is really the way to go. You can get KJ Osborne in there as the to complete the double stack with Thielen or Jefferson. However, Conklin's cheaper than Osborne, and he's he's kind of even had a more consistent role at the tight end position where already we're getting so few viable tight ends. So Conklin had four targets in each of the first two games, eight targets in the third game. He He's an athlete. He looks really good out on the field. He's on the field almost every snap. And I think that he's really that the the super great play this week at tight end. And I've I've looked at the projections. People aren't going to be playing a lot of Tyler Conklin. You'd think after going seven for 70 and one that everyone would go, oh my God, high game total. Tyler Conklin, we got to shove this guy in our lineups. But no, for, for some reason, that's not happening. The, the projected ownership's really low. So I think Conklin's the great play here. And then for your runbacks, Odell Beckham Jr. is just mispriced. We didn't we weren't quite sure what his role was going to be. We didn't know how healthy he was. So then he just goes out and puts up over a 30% target share in his first game back. We know Landry is still out. They have no wide receiver two of consequence. Hooper, I think, is a decent option. Kind of a an attractive salary, especially on FanDuel, I thought. Just looking at who he's around in terms of salary at 5200 So I think Huber's kind of a nice run back on that platform. OBJ just great on both platforms, DraftKings and FanDuel. And then I'm going to tout a running back I haven't touted yet this season. For those that listen to all of my takes in the offseason, I was out on Nick Chubb. And I was out on Kareem Hunt. I did not like this timeshare backfield where Chubb is going in the second round with 
no receiving upside. And then Hunt just had pretty dreadful usage in games Chubb was healthy last year and kind of got there on touchdowns. So I was just not interested in taking what I thought was a a 1B committee back in the sixth round of your fantasy drafts. You know what? There's been three weeks now. Nick Chubb has more touchdowns than Kareem Hunt, yet Kareem Hunt has more fantasy points. The usage has just been ridiculous for Kareem Hunt. He's getting exactly the type of touches you want. And I think that the sneaky way to game stack this is you go Cousins, one of Jefferson Thielen, Conklin, and then double run back with Odell Beckham and Kareem Hunt. And that you say this is going to be a pass-happy game. We know that Kareem Hunt, at least this year, has already shown a higher ceiling than Chubb significantly cheaper on both platforms more fantasy points on the season despite fewer touchdowns i think that's kind of the the sneaky way to handle this if you have to go with the browns then you can run it back with dalvin cook as well who i think should have a full workload and especially on DraftKings, is really well priced at only 8100 however i think that if you're going dalvin cook the better way to do that is you throw Odell Beckham and Dalvin Cook into a lineup together, get a little skinny correlation and game stack something else. So that's kind of how you can maneuver these pieces. Mike, what do you think about this Kareem Hunt take? Am I taking too much of a small sample here? Or does it look like, I don't know if it's the 17 game season or what, but Chubb and Hunt's roles do not look all that different from a fantasy perspective right now. No, look at the metrics here on player profile there. The efficiency is jumping off the page. 34 team run plays per game. That's number one in the league. He's top 20 in targets. He's top 20 in receptions. He has 10. He has five slot snaps, which is huge for a running back. Just so rare when you're talking about RBBC. And then you look at his other numbers. True yards per carry, 5.4. That's fourth among all running backs. He's third in breakaway runs. He's third in yards per touch. I mean, the guy is producing, and the snap counts are very, very close. Last week, Nick Chubb, 49%. Kareem Hunt, 41%. Also love the OBJ take because people are not realizing that he's underpriced. People who liked him in the preseason, who talked about getting OBJ, are now not playing him in week four in DFS when now he's finally healthy. 52 snaps last week, that's 64% of the snaps for the Browns, and he has the main target share in this offense because the week before he showed up, Demetric Felton, their running back, was leading the team in receptions. So across the board, Kareem Hunt with the efficiency. I think they're going to have to score here against a Viking team that is not good against wide receivers. They've allowed the fourth most fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers, almost 33 PPR points per game. Just fantastic stuff. Totally agree with you across the board. Let's go around the league now. I want to do a quick rapid fire. We'll, we'll finish this off. Give me some thoughts on some plays and some stacks on games we did not cover. How about the Colts and Dolphins? Michael Pittman, Jalen Waddle. Yeah, I think that this is a really fun way to attack this game. It's a pretty ugly game. We already talked about how like poor went out for Jonathan Taylor and his workhorse role. We already know Quentin Nelson's not playing in this one. But I mean, Michael Pittman, 12 targets in back-to-back games. Very reasonably priced in the five range. Jalen Waddle, for some reason, they still won't price him up. I don't think people realize that Jalen Waddle had 12, not targets. Jalen Waddle had 12 receptions this past week. What are we doing with Jalen Waddle? We need to get this guy into some lineups. That's even with Will Fuller returning. That's even with Gesicki having a big game. 
they have been passing quite a bit with Jacoby Brissett. And it looks like probably because of his, uh, his kind of weak arm, he's been going more and more to Gesicki, short intermediate in the field. And then they've had Waddle running closer to the line of scrimmage and just handing him target after target after target. So I think Pittman Waddle's a great way to potentially get 25 targets while spending only about 10K for two receivers. And that just opens up so much else. I mean, you want to get Kelsey in your lineup. You want to get, like I talked about, Dalvin Cook, Odell Beckham, and get a little bit of correlation from that Cleveland-Minnesota game. Pittman Waddle's a nice way to be able to do that. Next up, this Pittsburgh-Green Bay game. I Tomlin as an underdog does very, very well. He's terrible as a favorite. I think no one's given the chance to Steelers here. Steelers here, you can get rally him, the whole thing. What do you think about Deontay and Najee or Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones here? And what could be a sneaky game where teams are going to score? So I think what's interesting is Deontay Johnson, he's practicing fully. We know he's going to get a 30% target share in every single healthy game, even when both Juju and Claypool play. We don't even know if Claypool is going to play, so that 30% number could go up. And Deontay's really well-priced. He's 6200 on DraftKings, which is PPR, which is exactly what you want with a guy that's going to be getting 15 targets a game. And then on top of that, you look and you go, oh, nobody is playing Deontay Johnson. I, I get it. Big Ben is terrible. He is a bottom five quarterback in the NFL, which is exactly why you should like Deontay Johnson, who runs close to the line of scrimmage, has the rapport with Big Ben, is fully healthy. It's also why you should like Najee Harris. We were, we were kind of joking about the these 15 catches until you look and realize that's what Najee Harris did last week. He had 19 targets. Deontay and Najee look like incredible plays in this game. We we have a feeling there's going to be some points scored. Probably going to be trying to keep up with the Packers. And then on the Packers end, MVS ruled out. So the Devontae Adams target share, which could it get any higher? It probably will in this one. We saw him, I believe he was at 58% target share this past week since MVS wasn't playing. We could see that again this week. And he's not even the most expensive receiver on either platform, which is, I think that's just offensive. Aaron Jones, also incredibly well-priced. I think that you can play any of these four guys individually. If you just have an empty roster spot, Deontay, Najee Harris, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, throw one of them in there. But I think a nice thing to do is if you have the salary, just grab, pick your favorite one of each. I wouldn't really recommend Najee and Aaron Jones together. You could do that one, but I think you go Najee Harris, Devontae Adams, Deontay, Devontae Adams, Deontay, Aaron Jones, and throw those two guys into one of your lineups and just hope that you're going to be getting a massive amount of targets into those two spots in a game that does look like it could be surprisingly competitive. Adams last week against San Francisco, 18 of the 31 targets, 12 of the 23 receptions. Last one. The celebration hasn't stopped here. DeAndre Swift, the current PPR RB3. Allen Robinson in the Bears-Lions old school shootout here. Tell us why you like both these players. So I, I was very surprised. I logged in, was checking out some ownership projections. David Montgomery, heavy, heavy chalk. I mean, sure, I like David Montgomery this week. I'll probably dabble. 
it's the Lions. Yeah, their defense isn't very good. However, we want the monster upside. And Allen Robinson has that every week. We know that any given week, he can get you those 10 to 15 targets and break, help break the slate with 30 fantasy points. And he's down to 5,800 on DraftKings. Unbelievable. And he's in the sixes on FanDuel. These are just, these are incredible prices for Allen Robinson. I haven't seen too many people anxious to play him either. And then DeAndre Swift, especially on DraftKings, continues to get disrespected. Still only 6,200 on a PPR platform. This is a workhorse running back in terms of his usage. Don't be fooled by the raw workload of Jamal Williams. If you look at the stats that matter, go to playerprofiler.com. DeAndre Swift, top five in the NFL in weighted opportunities, which is looking at the fantasy points on average for both carries and targets and adding that up based on volume. So that's a volume stat for running back usage. Swift, top five in the NFL. All the comments coming out of the Lions camp, we want to get DeAndre Swift the ball more. We recognize that he is just so much better in every aspect of the game than Jamal Williams. Until his price goes up, until more and more people are playing DeAndre Swift because they are still scared since he's on the Lions. Oh, now they're going on the road to play the Bears. DeAndre Swift is matchup proof. He's game script proof. Keep playing this guy. And if you want some type of correlation, Allen Robinson is the move here. Punt plays we talked about. Anything else on him? Westbrook, Akeen, Kadarius, Tony, Curtis Samuel, Evan Ingram, Will Disley, my favorite, and Terrence Marshall on FanDuel. If people are looking for value, they're going to go there. Any other thoughts, Josh? I just think one of these six guys is likely to be in a lot of your lineups, especially if you're targeting these high-end stacks this week. Like we said before, pricing is tight. I talked about it a little bit on First Mover on Monday. You start scrolling down the salary list on receiver, and suddenly you go, wow. I really don't want to play any of these guys. And then next thing you know, you're at the bottom. And the bottom, it's kind of deep this week because we have Westbrook Akine, the wide receiver one for the Titans. Kadarius Toney, the wide receiver two for the Giants. Curtis Samuel, probably the wide receiver two for Washington. I know there were some pretty flaming hot takes. DME Brown's just going to take his job, this and that. Oh, he's not even the second best receiver anymore. Really? Jimmy Brown has not looked very good in his debut. Yes, long-term, he might end up being better, but Curtis Samuel is back. He's practicing fully right now, and he's 3K on DraftKings. Evan Ingram, also 3K on DraftKings. 17% target share last week. That number's probably going up. Will Disley, 2,600 on DraftKings. Like we said, the, the pricing is so tight on DraftKings. You need these plays to sneak in there. And then FanDuel, if you really want to pay down on FanDuel, we generally don't recommend it, but Terrace Marshall's only 5K on FanDuel, which is half PPR, favors touchdowns. One thing we know from Terrace Marshall, this is an elite red zone threat. He was throughout college. He's got the size to make a difference in the red zone. And I know that there's this whole squeaky wheel thing going on with Robbie Anderson. And I think that just helps Terrace Marshall. Nobody is playing Terrace Marshall in DFS this week. They are playing DJ Moore, Chuba Hubbard, and Robbie Anderson. Which is funny considering rookie Terrace Marshall has just completely outclassed Robbie Anderson in every way. So I don't quite understand the squeaky wheel narrative actually affecting the field. 
why would they force feed Robbie Anderson targets when giving more looks to Terrace Marshall has helped lead them to a 3-0 start to the season? It's one thing if this Panthers team was just terrible, but this narrative is just very funny to me when everything they've been doing up until this point is working. We know Terrace Marshall will be scoring touchdowns at some point this season. Why not week four? In a position where Travis Kelsey dominates, it would be so appropriate to have week four DFS slate decided by Evan Ingram and Will Disley. We know Terrace Marshall will be scoring touchdowns at some point this season. Why not week four? In a position where Travis Kelsey dominates, it would be so appropriate to have week four DFS slate decided by Evan Ingram and Will Disley. My dog got spayed. She's been acting weird. I understand it. She's behind me right now. All's good. She's sleeping with a cone in her head. Oh, and then Will Disley. I talked with Matt. I think Will Disley is like the ultimate I put him viable in. pun play. I just put him in. I, yeah. I just put him in. That's 2,600 is insanity. Nice. Yeah, I was looking at it. I was like, you know what? Like, Eskridge might not play. Mm-hmm. Nobody thinks Freddie Swain's very good. Right. Chris Carson banged up. Right. Lockett banged up. Metcalf banged up. We'll see if this is like a, a new frontier, but I feel like we keep trying to do things that no one else is doing since there's kind of this lack of creativity in the, the DFS industry. It's it's an exciting time at the very least. Damn right, man. I'm very intrigued by Brandon Ayuk. Mm 